This week on the Open Nesters Podcast with Eliza and Mark. And I said, I know what I'm not looking for. I don't want to get married. I don't want to ever live with anyone ever again. And I do just want people, I want to be able to date whoever I want and have that relationship be whatever it's going to be and do that with several different partners. And I want you to be able to do that as well. Welcome to the Open Esther's podcast. How will you write Act 3 of your life? Will you be open? Will you welcome the possibilities? Are you going toward your most vibrant, authentic stage of life? Are you curious to discover what's ahead? Are you in a fork in the road and wondering which path to follow? Would you like to hear from others who are already writing Act 3? Hey everyone, I'm Tessa. And I'm Amir. Why be an empty nester when you can be an open nester, living on the edge of your curiosity, on the fringe of your imagination, reinvention, and sexuality? Together, we'll take a journey and explore how rich this stage of life can be when we approach it with an open mind and an open heart. So stay tuned for this interview beyond what we called what it. What else are they going to do? They're going to stay tuned. If they, well, they may not, but ethical non-monogamy and consensual ethical non-monogamy for dating individuals is what this starts out to be a discussion about. Yeah, but it's not only that. It's also about uh, kids and about how kids see the relationship of their uh, parents, especially of Eliza and Mark, and the reflection of those relationships as their kids see it. And not only about their ethical non-monogamy, but about views on kids, as well as just accepting life and dreaming dreaming as individuals about the things of their future. So I hope you'll enjoy this wonderful interview. Let's hear it from Eliza and Mark. So welcome, Eliza and Mark, to the Open Nesters podcast. We're so happy to have you with us today. And... Just loved your interview from Normalizing Non-Monogamy, where I first heard it. So this is a very cool to be able to meet you as well. How are you Fabulous. doing? Fabulous. Welcome to I our... for us, too. Yeah. <laughs> this is our second 15 minutes of fame, so we're up to a half hour. Nice, 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 nice. Well, 15, we, we will give you a little well, bit I more. Why not? So tell us a little bit about your evolution, like a little bit about your how you how you got to where you are today as individuals and then as partners. We're going to start with that. A little about your stories. Well, I let's see. I was divorced back around 2010, and I had never been very good at dating and relationships when I was younger, and was just starting to get the hang of it when I met my now ex-wife. And that put a stop to it. So when I found myself single again at 50, I said, I want to do this better than I did before. And I kind of put my mind to learning how to be a good dating partner. And in the process, I wound up deciding that I needed to put on my dating profile that um, I was just wanted to keep things open because I had two kids here in town. I wanted to stay in their lives until they were launched and off on their own. 
And that was probably going to be another 10 years or so. And I didn't want to be dating someone with them thinking that, oh, if things work out great, that he'll come and, you know, live with me or whatever, because <laughs> I had to I had to date out a hundred miles or so to find matches. So uh, we, you, you made sure that the, the nest stays open for yourself and not going to be filled up with kids again, because you just got it empty and now you opened it and you want to keep it that way. <laughs> I, I, at the time I was, I was making sure that nobody thought that I was going to leave my current nest to go to their nest. Because it was farther away, right? I wanted so to stay you, right. here, I, care I got it, even right. though I wasn't you know, living with them at the time. They were uh, primarily living with my ex and would stay with me every other weekend and you know, a couple nights a week. Um, so I had it on that I wanted to be open on my profile. And then as I started dating that way, I found that I really liked that, not having non-exclusive relationships and keeping things open. And I had relationships with other women who were doing a similar sort of thing. And I found that I wasn't particularly bothered by jealousy or anything like that. And it just felt very natural. And I enjoyed the kind of communication that we had. And then I met Eliza through uh, Tinder. No. Okay, Cupid. Okay. Oh, that's right. I saw you later on Tinder. Okay. <laughs> So you continue to keep your 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 doors open too, Eliza. I remember from the podcast it was so interesting how you've even converged partners. But give us a little background on your children and and evolution to a short intro to you. So I was married for twenty years and got divorced. I don't know how many years anymore. I was just thinking, like, what year was it that I finalized my divorce? Anyhow. My kids were teenagers and in high school when I got divorced and we moved into our own little place. And um, I knew and still know today that the thing that I don't want, I don't want to live with a partner ever again. And I don't want to ever get married again. Um, so that was kind of where I was coming from on my dating profiles was this is what I don't want. And so at one point I... Mark got a hold of me on OkCupid and um, his profile on OkCupid was like, like encyclopedic. <laughs> it's like page after page after page. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. I'm more this and less that. And um, I got in touch with him and he said, you know, well, you know, like we all do on dating sites, what are you looking for? And I said, I know what I'm not looking for. I don't want to get married. I don't want to ever live with anyone ever again. And I do just want people, I want to be able to date whoever I want and have that relationship be whatever it's going to be and do that with several different partners. And I want you to be able to do that as well. Like any of my partners. And do. how did you know that? Just was it in your relationship? You learned that from your first marriage. How were you so sure of that? I will tell you that all through my young adult and then adult life, I I did not like the idea and I was married for 20 years. So this sounds cuckoo, but I didn't like the idea of always having to be a part of a couple. Like you always had to be a half instead of a whole on your own. And so once I got divorced, I thought, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do that. But then I started dating this man who was an artist and just like cuckoo enough that I thought I'm gonna 
ask him if he'd be willing to do this type of relationship with me, not knowing that it had a name or a label. And I asked him and he said, no, that's, that's not, no, I'm not interested in that. We broke up, we got back together again briefly, but then we broke up again once I found out that he was quote unquote cheating on me. <laughs> I was like, you know, uh, this is like what I wanted for us is I would have been happy for you to go to Tennessee and see the woman that you met the last time you were there. Hey, he was an artist, like hanging a show in Tennessee. So we broke up and then I met Mark and I explained to him, this is what I want. And I don't know how to explain it. I thought I was like a thought pioneer. <laughs> and he said, I think what you're talking about is solo polyamory. And so I Googled it and there it was. And here it's been fucking going on for, you know, <laughs> generations. Right. And I, <laughs> you, you thought you invented it holding back on me all these years. I just love the way you frame the um, just where, what happens in our bodies. And I think we've been programmed as all of us know in marriage and monogamy to feel like that's the way it has to be. And even when we have resistance to the, that, and yet also there's this wonderful term that people love of my better half. They feel like they're, they're, they're complimenting, oh, this is my better half. And for years I had resistance to that too. I was like, I'm not a half. I'm really not. And I, I don't even like that feeling. Why we do never people use think that it's an honor and compliment? Us. So I, you know, I, I, I yeah. tend to just love the fact that when people are, st are in, a, in even a couple that works in monogamy, that they start questioning their language. I mean, and and then starting to realize where does the language, you know, bring them as far as making choices like we are in Act 3 about how we want to live our lives. And I love how you're coming together on that. So, so tell us um, how that journey has been. I mean, with now other partners, I mean, I think, I think Eliza, I heard about the few others and the, yeah, so interesting stories of them coming together as well and how your kids dealt with meeting the, these partners. So could you, re you know, remind You both have me? kids, right? Both yeah. Have, yeah. They're both open nesters. Uh, open yeah. I mean, you've had kids nesters. back and forth. I know as many of us have, but you're both at a stage where you're making the choices of your open nest. Yeah. Yeah. So I have kids who are both, um, my daughter is 25 and my son is now 23. My son graduated from college during the pandemic and obviously couldn't find work. So he moved back in with mama and I said, you have until August, which is coming up very soon, um, to either come up with a plan and move out or start paying rent because, you know, your sister went from college to a job, started paying her own way. You know, I still pay for their phones, which is kind of a thorn in my side, but um, they, so they, they, when I, after I met Mark, I very shortly after that was on Tinder and met Christian, who's one of the men in my life. And he actually lives in Florida and the DC area. Um, but he grew up here and his mom is still here. So he comes up like every few months. You guys and, are in Indiana, um, right? Yes, we're in Indiana. So I met him and, you know, we're tindering back and forth. And he was like, I just want you to know this one thing about me. I'm not monogamous. And I was like, oh, my God, 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 oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> like, but, but, oh, those thumbs were flying. I was like, neither am I. And he was with one of his other girlfriends when he got that text and he said he read it to her and they were just laughing their butts off because they couldn't believe that like 
neither was I. And then, so the artist that I had dated ended up a, a very tragic end to his life. He was hanging a show, fell off a ladder. They put him into a coma and he never came back. And at his funeral, I met one of my other boyfriends, which is, I know, like <laughs> twisted sort of, but um, things happen in the craziest places. I, yeah, met him there. And actually we hit it off really well. He was like really taking good care of me at that funeral. I didn't even know him. And then we were in the same group on Facebook about the funeral. And so I messaged him and said, thank you for taking really good care of me. Would you like to go out on a date sometime? <laughs> and a woman asking for what she wants, man. <laughs> well, and so that, yeah, so that's Ben and that happened. Then I did have another gentleman in my life who I met, I think on OKCupid, I can't remember anymore. And we were very close. He's in an open marriage that has fizzled out a little bit, but not because of anything besides like not being able to see each other. And he, he's quite a bit younger than I am and is in the middle of raising like a brood of children and <laughs> is always, always occupado. So didn't some didn't one of them surprise you like with the other one on like a oh Mark did that so tell us that story Mark and how that felt to you like that opening it to the point that you have another lover for her because you have this concept which we've had on the open nesters of compersion which is you want her to be happy was it her birthday or was it a nice at what time what was it it was uh, Valentine's Day which is a a holiday that I've generally ignored throughout my life um, for the most part. I don't consider it a real holiday. But one day, a month or two before it, some years ago, um, I was shaving and it suddenly hit me. I thought, hmm, I wonder what would happen if I were to try to arrange a threesome with uh, Eliza and Christian and me. And so I immediately texted Christian and pitched the idea. And so what are you doing around Valentine's Day? And he's, well, I could, I could fly out there. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, oh, actually, wait, no, I'm, I'm thinking about the second. Right. The second so one. I was going to say, yeah. there is a backstory here. The first time that we were all together on a vacation, Kristen was at like a convention or something in Chicago and Mark and I drove up and stayed at like my all-time favorite hotel that I stay at every time I'm there, the Raffaello, a little <laughs> there. He came and joined us and we just all hung out and had great conversation and great food and great sex. And it just felt, it didn't feel weird. Yeah. And we all had brunch with your, with your friends the uh -huh, next day. My, my college friends the next morning and yeah. How naturally open that is. Like the openness of that gets people to feel like, mm. oh my goodness, that's even possible. Like I loved how you opened that door wide up. And 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 so how does the how does that feel? And how does that feel going forward? Like the communication you have even now, because sexually, like we were talking earlier about going through stuff in life that sometimes it isn't an easy time and you're still communicating on how your needs, what you're excited about, what you're open to. Mm -hmm. So talk to us about about what you're going through now. I don't know. It's as far as Christian goes, it's he and I have our own sort of communication going. Sometimes we'll chat with each other on text and so forth. It's a little bit of a bromance. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> so he's, sweet. He's coming to town the next few days, right? Yeah. And uh, going to 
And so yeah. you're supporting all three of us get together. through the through yeah. her procedure right now, which is kind of maybe set back for the sex sex part, but right. open to the cuddling right. and the so I saw Christian last month. He was in town and we went out for lunch, you know, outdoors. I have over the course of this past year gotten really, really painfully, terribly sick a few times. And it ended up being, I ended up having to have a radical hysterectomy, which is mean they take everything. So they, you basically have a a vaginal sleeve, (laughs) right? And the one thing they don't tell you is like, what if I sleep with somebody who has a really long dick? (laughs) Like, is there going to be a problem with that? Right? Do I have to be careful about that? Am I going to be able to self-lubricate? Or should I be stocking up on the KY? You know, I mean, all of these questions about, and I think the reason that they don't even, like you don't even get asked those, like, do you have any questions about your sexual function? Is because I was over the age of 50 and already had been, you know, two years out from menopause. And I think they thought I wasn't really sexually (laughs) active and it didn't matter. Wow, crazy. (laughs) And it's kind of cruel. I think it's cruel it's cruel it's cruel being in this aging and uh, in this serious ageist society it's it's a a part of our lives we're doing episodes on that as well on ageism and i do thank you for bringing that up it's so important for us to realize that this is not something we want to assume about anyone we get more sexually i think mature and evolved and especially as women as we get older so hey if you like this episode Please check out on the OpenEster website, episode number eight, Eroticize Your Jealousy, or episode number 11, I Want That. Even episode 14, Loving Without Boundaries, with Kitty Shambles. And episode 26 is Ethical Non-Monogamy, really for me. So yeah, so 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 now how how is the adjustment and how are you guys communicating about that? That's an, an important piece too for people to know. Like I'm two weeks out of my second vaccine and Mark is several weeks out of his. Over a month. Yeah. Um this is the first weekend that we've been together without masks on indoors in the same space, like being able to be like intimate physically. And, you know, I have, I love the boys in my life because I can say, I'm really nervous about having sex again. And so what Mark said to me was, well, then we're just going to do like some epic cuddling. And epic cuddling. And we, did. we had a great meal. We went down and hung out with some neighbors of his for a little bit and came back and had a very late dinner and then just climbed into bed and listened to sort of kinky little podcast and just cuddled. And it's really nice not to have that. I think if I were a woman in my thirties, I would have felt pressure to have sex since we haven't had sex in over a year, (laughs) no matter what, you know, Yep. What a beautiful honesty. Thank you. Thank you for yeah, sharing I mean, that. That is the difference between being uh, totally poly and really loving the person that you're with rather than just coming in there to have sex and leave uh, yep. type of a deal. So, you know, that's polyamory at its best. 
And yeah. again, thank you for the honesty. As Tessa yeah, was saying. no, people need really real life is what really counts for people to relate to and know that we go through stuff and we, how do we support each other through that? That would make it a better world and a more loving place to live. And so tell us about your kids, even yeah, knowing about I mean, partners, I, like how they right. relate to all both of you with where your yeah. situations are. How, how is the kids? I mean, do they know that you are an open relationship? Do they know that you have multiple uh, boyfriends, girlfriends? I have just sort of, I've never made really uh, a point of discussing my relationships and sex life with my kids, but as they've gotten older over the last 10 years, um, and they're, I have, I have two kids and they're each probably a couple years younger than Eliza's. And I've just sort of over time gradually been a little more open about, you know, who I'm seeing and so forth and, and just casually mentioned, you know, seeing so-and-so or so-and-so. When they were younger, it was always, oh, I'm, you know, going to spend time with a friend. And now I, I was telling my my daughter, youngest daughter, when I was driving her home from work the other day, that Eliza was coming up for the weekend and it was the first time we'd seen each other, you know, really without masks in a year and all this. And she was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, they don't want to hear the details of your sex life. I mean, kids usually don't. I, yeah. I just wonder about your approach to openness. So even if they are, whether they are, you know, as many kids nowadays in different identity places, more sexually fluid, more gender fluid. I mean, how, where are you with help the discussion that it's okay to be who you are? And I'd be curious how that goes for both of you. Right. So I have two kids from the beginning as I was raising them, I tried to raise them in a very sex positive way. Look, these kids went to Catholic school from preschool to graduating high school. And I know, I knew that there was a certain sort of like Catholic guilt repression type thing that can be associated with all that. And I wanted them to always know that sex is not dirty or bad. And as long as it's, it's, you know, you both consent and, you know, there doesn't, and it's fun. I mean, that was like, my whole thing is like, sex isn't dirty, sex is fun, but you have to both consent. Right. And, you know, and I even like kind of always stopped. I didn't never wanted to say like consenting adults, because what does that mean? Like so many teenagers are having sex, right? And so I didn't want to be like, oh, you're consenting adults. I wanted to say you both consent and you're safe about it and you're sensible about it. So both of them, when they were getting ready to have sex for the first time, approached me. My daughter actually asked me to go get her condoms. And I said, if you're old enough to have sex, you are old enough to go get your own damn condom. (laughs) 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 And uh, she was 18 and they went and got condoms. Yeah, she was excited about it. And so both of my kids have met all of the other men in my life just because it's always easier for me to host because I have kind of a, a big old house. It's in a little town, walking distance to everything. I have a great front porch where people just sit around and meet and talk and have fun. Right. And my kids were not actually in the house as much as other people's kids were. My kids have always like, like I'm, I'm coming home. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Two of my boyfriends are here. Just <laughs> so, you know, a true, a true an openness, really true. Yeah, and you know they're they're good with it, and I think because 
Like, I think children, no matter their age, react to the way you react, react to the way you are presenting things. So for instance, in my past marriage, my ex, now ex-husband, cancer. And my mom was like freaking out. And I was like, mom, we are not doing this. We are going to go home and we're going to say, this is it. This is how it's working. This is the treatment. This is the treatment plan. We're going to get through this. It's 85% survival rate. And my kids then weren't like, oh my God, dad's dying of cancer. It was more like, okay, we're going to do that. You know, so it was, they mirror back to you what you present to them. Completely. More information. Yes. And how about you, Mark, with your, with your kids and, and their fluid and openness, where are they? Uh, Well, both my kids are kind of somewhere on the queer spectrum or whatever. Um, My youngest daughter seems to be more lesbian than anything uh, at the moment. And my oldest daughter is trans. Um, So neither of them is, you know, very conventional uh, as far as sexuality and relationships go. Um, On the other hand, I don't know if either of them have had sex. I mean, they they don't haven't seemed particularly interested in it, or at least not in a way that they shared with me. Sex in the way we understand sex. I mean, you know, yeah, right. Intercourse, right. Well, it depends. Uh, or, that doesn't or, mean that's what he meant. It's not just intercourse. Right. Uh, well, that's what he meant, though. Did you only mean intercourse? Um, actually, no. But I, I mean. Definitely intercourse, but possibly other sex too. I don't know. If anyone has, I probably think my younger daughter maybe might be more likely to have had some sort of some sort of uh, messing around. But well, messing around and being really- queer is not, first of all, is an intercourse. So when you're queer and you're a lesbian, we can edit some right. of this out. But I'm just trying to explain yeah. that that's so- not necessarily intercourse. Is not sex. We we yes, that right. with Clinton years ago. So uh, <laughs> we can take this. <laughs> Sex. Here's the idea is that I feel like sexuality is is different than gender. And you obviously were telling us about your the fluidity of both. And then the idea that that they can have their own experiences of it as they get older and mature. And maybe that's a better way to do it is to figure out through an open communication. So I do. We are trying to promote open communication with adult kids. And so I'm always trying to push that edge a little bit, wondering if you're talking to them about it and they can come to you. Because I think that's the hardest thing is that we raise these adults that then even they become adults and they don't feel like they can talk, you know, at all ages, talk to us. And it being accepting by showing who we're becoming as yeah. as as not traditional, yeah. I think. I mean, help. kids always take uh, center stage when it comes down to open nester or empty nester. I mean, that's what makes it open or, or empty. It's the kids. And that's why we always like to get their relationship with the kids and where they are and what they're doing. So that's what. Yeah, absolutely. That. And how we yeah. how we get along with them. Absolutely. I was actually saying when like kind of scanning your notes about what discussion points, I said, I kind of love this because what it does is recenter the children that I have as opposed to their, oh, they're gone now. Yeah. They're still like the center of my life. Right. They always will be. Right. But in a whole different, I mean, one is on the East coast. One is, at home, but never at home. And I mean, but they're always, you know, I always think about, I think about them first and foremost in almost every choice that I make in my life. Yes. The nice thing is I have been open and honest with them 
about everything that's going, that goes on in my life, everything, not just, you know, so that I, I can have really open discussions with them about what I'm planning to do or what I, how I feel about something. And so they then feel like they can come to me with those same discussions. Fabulous. I mean, you lead by example in a way. I mean, this is how I'm open, then you can be, and you, you, you created, they created safe space for you to be open and you want to do the same thing for them. Right. Wonderful. Yeah. Safe and brave. I, right. love, I love how we're going. We're becoming older and bolder, I've been liking to say, and it helps us all to, older it helps them to stretch themselves too. So, I, so how, what are you dreaming of for yourselves? What's, what, what's ahead for yeah. you individually together? I was just what's, about to ask What's that. next? <laughs> In, in a different way. I don't have any grand plans for the next few years. I'm just going to try to keep working, <laughs> keep putting away some money because uh, I do not have a great deal of savings. I puttered around through my 20s and into my 30s and didn't really figure out what I wanted to do for a long time. And so I have not put myself in the financial situation that yeah, but so you got you got I, to pl- I, you got as yeah. I said you got to play it forward. You you played yeah. first, so that's okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I definitely uh, played back back in the day and got a lot of uh, excitement out of it at that time. So I'm, you know, I got motorcycling and hang gliding and windsurfing and all that kind of out of my system back then. And uh, at this point, I do think I might try taking up a new sport. I just went and had a uh, kite, kite sailing um, lesson a few weeks ago. Really? And might be looking you have to, to be that. strong for that. Strong upper body. Strong. <laughs> strong. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. So that take, that'll take you in a direction like, where do the winds take me? Instead, right. instead of where do I have to go? Where do the winds take me, right? Yeah. And yeah. how about you, Eliza? The first part of my life, I was a professional dancer, choreographer, and dance teacher. And then the second act of my life, I was a stay-at-home mom who volunteered as a choreographer and a dance teacher and a fundraiser. And now in the third act of my life, I am um, working full-time for an agency that um, we are advocates for victims of domestic violence and sexual abuse. I originally got into it by being volunteer for them. And then they ended up hiring me and I, I freaking love my job. I love it so much. It is like this, this, this is nonstop. It is an everyday something. And you're making a difference. Uh, yeah. And it really does. It's like a, a job that makes me feel really good. So my plan is to stay there until they are like, wheel me out, <laughs> like force me to go somewhere. I will tell you, I was, I was married to a, a, a very rich man who I helped make that way. And so my divorce settlement was pretty good. And I have a few brokerage accounts that are, thank you, Joe Biden, just like, whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> like, I mean, like, like I made $83,000 in the past six months. Um, I know. And so I, I always like to pretend like that money isn't really there. But then when I get nervous, I just go to the website and go, okay, I'm okay. I'm okay. But then I think to myself, like my two dearest friends in the world from college, we talk all the time about what, how we're going to retire, what we're going to do. 
And our big grand plans are for buying a piece of property together and then building little homes, a house in the middle that's for like meeting and has the kitchen and all of that stuff. And we can have parties there. And, and then <laughs> Christian, one of my other men is always talking about how he's going to do type that type of thing with a property that he owns down in Florida. And that it will be just the people that he loves are going to be <laughs> invited to retire there with them, which is a lot of people, believe me. <laughs> And that he would have home healthcare workers come in and, you know, like a shuttle bus to the beach and, you know, that type of thing. So I don't know. It's just, <laughs> it is getting to be the point where you have to be thinking about what am I going to do when I get too old to like take care of myself? Well, it's the next step, but we ha- we can look at it in a way that what was the kind of ideal life and surroundings. And yeah. you're talking about that privatizing, choosing our lives right. and then creating them, going out and building them. I've thought about that with people, too, like having se- exactly separate with an area in the middle, having people that need to come in, come in, but still being excited about what I can yeah. do no matter what age. You know, like like you're doing, you're cuddling. Well, right. That's what you can do. You're cuddling when you have a setback. We will always be. And as I say, older and bolder, but looking at these, this, this act three as a time to explore what's possible. No, and it's also very beautiful to see that, you know, you're not really following a certain uh, sequence of event with act one, two, and three. You kind of shuffle yeah. them around uh, almost like the Pulp Fiction, like you, you, you see part of it in the beginning and then the end at the, at, the, at the middle and so on and so forth. But with your case, you are actually enjoying to work you don't want to retire you don't want to stop there's it's not nothing is burning for you to go travel the world or to do whatever it is you're happy with what you got and that is that is beautiful because a lot of people have a struggle and a conflict between expectation and what their real life is looking like i just want to travel the world i just put on my Paid time yes, off, of you know. I want to be paid <laughs> right. to do it. Yeah, right, right. Uh, and, and you, Mark, also the same thing. I mean, you are not looking to retire or whatever that is. You've you've played. You were retired yeah. before, <laughs> and before in your twenties and thirties, and now you you know you're shuffling it backwards. And that is beautiful to see because you know our listeners, uh, you know, we have all kinds, and they're all looking for this Act Three. What they going to do? Are they going to be involved in a new adventure? Are they open up their relationship? Are they going to get to be swinging? Are they going to be uh, involved in traveling or start their own business? Start their own business. Go apart. A new hobby. Live apart. Live apart. <laughs> Whatever it is that they want to do, uh, they are looking forward to something. You, you really already have it. You actually, you know, I have to say it, but you are. Yeah, living I, I mean, I like like Eliza. I really enjoy my job, and it's nice. It's not. Yeah, it's it's not full of pressure. It keeps me interested. It's it's it gives me challenges, and I enjoy it. I like the people I work with. Yeah. So I'm, I'm no rush. You keep you no sharp. rush to retire at all. And I have always tried to find things to do outside of work that that interest me and challenge. Like of when I was fifty eight or so, or Fifty-five, maybe I started going to regional Burning Man events up in Michigan and Ohio. Helped formed a helped form a, a theme camp with a twenty-something-year-old woman from Chicago, and we ran that for a few years at Lakes of Fire up in Michigan, which is a regional burn. And then uh, I wound up going to Burning Man for a couple of years, and that was a lot of fun. And I don't know if I want to go back. I think I've got that out of my system now, but I probably will keep going to the regional burns. So even challenging your adventure spirit by doing those things. Yeah. I mean, and obviously kite now trying to kite yeah. sail, kite surf. Kite surfing. Uh, it's a whole 
Amazing. So, so any, any surprises along the way for either of you? I will say I am still to this day shocked that in the middle of fucking Indiana, I have found <laughs> three, four, sometimes five, sometimes six <laughs> men who, th- um, you know, want the same things I want as far as relationships go. I am shocked by that. I thought, uh, okay, I want to do this, but I don't want to have to move back to Chicago. I loved living. In- I lived in Chicago for 10 years. I loved it, but it's really expensive. And, you know, I love my job here. I love my job here. So I was like, this is never going to work. And then it's like, there, the universe had a whole different plan for me. Yeah. <laughs> lady, we're going to show you how this works. Yeah, and perhaps not with a lot, <laughs> not of, with a lot of effort at all. It was shocking to me. Then. Exactly. And it was like That's how one, he's... two, three, like one, two, three in a row. And then the fourth one a little right. bit further down the line. But Well, you were open. You were open and ready. And you were not attached right. to the results. Uh, and you are, you know, uh, and she said yes to opportunities. Yes, that's what he's always telling because I always yes. say that to him. And he's like, that's because you were open to the idea of it. Yeah. And you weren't going to turn somebody down, right. because, you know, and I call it luck. <laughs> he calls it saying yes. Well, I mean, there's there's luck. There's both or, or involved. There's there's luck in that the opportunities randomly came your way. But then there's also attitude in that you were willing to say yes and not were too scared to, or, or say, no, that's too weird. You know, you said, well, why not? Let's give yeah. it a try. Well, the, the, I have heard a phrase once before that says that uh, a success equal luck plus opportunity. When opportunity meets luck, then that is success. Yes, so that's here you certainly are. true on my behalf as far as my romantic life yeah. is concerned. And probably the rest of my damn life. Yeah, yeah pretty much my, my, my whole life right. too. It's, it's just been... A lot of I've I've had a very random walk through life, and all the good things happen because I just said, eh, "Let me try this," or "Yes, sure, I'll give that a try." Right. Awesome! What a great right. example. Any anything else that you guys would like to share before we say goodbye? Any last thoughts? Well, you know, what would you suggest to a listener that uh, in in either planning, dreaming on Act Three, or uh, in Act Three now, and they really want to have some more excitement wherever that is. What would you suggest to those kind of people? On that same thing, be try, open. You know, <laughs> give things a try. Say yes, and and if you, if you if you don't like it, then fine. You don't have to keep doing it, but don't don't yeah. don't prevent yourself from the possibility of success by say by not trying it. You know. Also, I think that the idea of success, especially for our generation, means something really different than it ought to. Like for me, success is finding your, your joy and not necessarily, you know, adding to your bank account. Although if adding to your bank account is your joy, <laughs> have at it. Um, but what I would say is also don't, like I feel like so many people of our generation feel like I'm gonna retire and open a winery. Like, you know, everybody's got to have like this big fat plan instead of job. And, you know, you're allowed to say no to things too. Like, it's okay at our age to say, I am not going fly, kite flying, whatever you're doing. <laughs> you go do that, honey. I'm staying like- on the ground. Or I'm not going to Burning Man. Or I am going to 
you know, go to the peony festival across the street. You know what I mean? Just saying yes to the things you want to say yes to, and then just saying no. And I listened to your thing on ageism, which I thought was freaking brilliant. It was a really good show. And not saying, no, I'm too old for this, but just saying, no, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. And what do I want to do? So, so embracing the paradox of what we say yes to and where we have boundaries. Like right. it's the it's some yeah. of the key of life. Like it takes us a long time to learn it. So I, I'm glad we're we're talking about it now because we're not too yeah. old to really have many more years. We hope of making these great choices. M- Mark is saying say yes and yep. try things. And Eliza saying, "Hey, say no for whatever you right. if you don't want to." So I totally agree with you. No. Yeah, <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Your phrase is. I, I would, I would, just add. This is sort of general life advice that I've learned: is don't, don't always be living for the future. That you know, thinking it's going to be you know, once I get to this point, then everything will be great, or then I'll be able to do this. Do something now, and and also just take the time to enjoy the people around you because it's when you get to the end of your life, it, it, it's going to be the relationships you had, the, the, the times you had with people that really stick with you, I think. And I mean, I'm, I'm lucky enough to live on a, on a really social Absolutely. street and people just will come and hang out on my front porch and we'll sit and drink and talk. And, you know, you don't have to plan that, Oh, I'm going to go out and have a wonderful social life sometimes just, do it. Be 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 yeah. there for the people around you. Tessa is uh, wow. very mindful. In fact, her her uh, master was done in uh, mindfulness, right? Mm. And consciousness and mindfulness. Con- consciousness and mindfulness. And you know, we heard that phrase, and now we adopted it. So you know, we said it more than three times, and so now we, we say it's ours. In between, it's over to next. There is a little hammock that call right now. And that's where you hanging, and that's what you're talking about, Mark. Uh, really enjoying the moment, and really being uh, around, smelling your environment, feeling it, meeting the people that comes around, and just being open to all of that in your Act Three. That's fabulous. Really, this was a pleasure. Thank you both so much for taking the time today. It really was great meeting you. And, and it's going to be a, a very valuable to our audience that are on Act Three, that looking to that maybe under pressure, and you really release that pressure from them. You don't have to have grandiose plans or dream big or whatever. That is. it's okay to keep on doing what you like and what you're getting joys from. So that is a very, very, very clear and important message to our audience. Yeah. And we thank you for that. Thank you for thank your time. Thank you both. Have a, have a good evening. You too. Happy Mother's Day, Tess. You going first? <laughs> I'm not going first. You go. Okay. So this discussion at the end in particular, and especially about women becoming more evolved, I kind of love that we ask for more of what we want. And it is different, though, when you're m- married, whether we are ethical non-monogamous or just dating and doing the more the like they are at this second stage of their after they've been divorced, new lives. So I think it's a little bit different to uh, negotiate our ways, right? And negotiate our wants is different. Well, I mean, what they do is really, I mean, unlike any other dating, which is really non-monogamous till they become monogamous. I mean, a lot of people are scared of that non-monogamy. And they don't realize that till they really become monogamies, they are 
still dating and they're still checking things around. But these people are actually made a conscious decision to stay non-monogamous. And I really respect that. And uh, that's what you heard from them. But the, what I was getting to the point of is that it's very different when they have so much space to themselves. We've lived together 31 years and the amount of space that we have is not the same. It, we have to make a lot more conscious choice to give each other that space and negotiation and figure things out. And Sure, and we live together and they don't. And I would love for you to set up a date with my, have a Valentine's Day with two, with you and my boyfriend. would be lovely. <laughs> oh, thank you. Okay. I'm glad that Valentine's Day is not that close for a moment. <laughs> it, it will come soon. But, you know, on another note, the, the uh, both uh, Mark and Eliza, uh, you know, Mark is saying, hey, say yes to everything. Say yes and be open. And Eliza said, learn how to say no for things you don't like or don't want to do. And this is a very nice uh, contradiction paradox that works together for both of them. And that was their advice, actually. Wonderful. I really, really appreciated that interview. So thank you. Thank you all for tuning in. As always, we always thank you for being our listeners because you've made our podcast I really usually, what it I is. I usually do the thank you. Okay, I wanted and, to thank this okay, time. Okay, fine, you do it. So I'm finished. Do you have anything else to add? Yes, of course I have a lot of things to add. I have to add about uh, checking out our website, theopennesters.com. That's the open nester with double N in the middle and S at the end. Let us know what you think. Leave us some comments. Listen to some previous episodes, some of the re- what we recommended and others. And also, we have a Facebook page or something like that. It's right? a closed group that you can have a discussion in. We'd love to hear from you. And also love to hear from you about what you think. We have a survey online that takes one minute, literally. Yeah, and just, if you're looking, just fill up the survey, would you please? If you're you looking know? at our website, uh, we actually just added a tab for me. I call it my Tessa tab yeah. because I'm doing a lot of work in this stage of We've life. Been act living three, the Tessa tab. and Act Three is a really wonderful time to learn new things about yourself. So check out the Tessa tab because yeah. I'm doing some really cool work that I'd love to hear from you about and see what you're interested in hearing from. And don't look me up on Facebook. I do not have one. So No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, this is Amir. And I'm Tessa. Until next time, I will see you on the radio. Ciao.